Welcome to the Jolt Episodes. This is a feature of the In Awe Podcast meant to give you energy and a boost to look around your world and exercise a signature strength. Between interviews with incredible women who leave us awe-inspired, I will share stories that will prompt you to look around and see the beauty in your own world. I hope you find yourself awe-inspired. Hello, friends. I am coming in late on my Jolt episode because I am sure, like most of you, I have been struggling with current events of the past week. If you are catching this episode fresh, you know I am speaking about the unrest occurring across our country, sparked by the most recent murder of a black man by a white police officer in Minneapolis. By now, the victim, George Floyd, has become a household name. Regular listeners will know that my own heart has been heavy surrounding the deaths of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor this year as well, and I have shared Latasha Morrison's work around racial reconciliation very recently on this podcast, which I will link once again to this one. As I process what I could say once again to my community to provide a jolt, I am struggling. No doubt listeners have varied feelings and viewpoints on the events spreading and occurring across the country. Peaceful protests all around are getting sparked and flamed into rioting and looting, causing massive destruction of buildings, properties, and businesses. Depending upon what you are looking at or for, you are likely seeing very different images from one another. A case in point yesterday, a person close to me saw the news where a semi-truck nearly plowed into peaceful protesters in my home state of Minnesota on the 35W bridge and was appalled that the protesters dared be on a major freeway. I saw an organized, coordinated with state departments, peaceful protest, and a person seeking to cause harm. In the end, we were both right and wrong. The event was organized, but the barricade had not been properly timed and communicated. Suffice it to say, the match has been lit on this powder keg, and we are living in a time period that will be making history. To remain silent on matters is not possible for me, and I don't think it should be for any of us. I want to share with my community one of the struggles that I am personally having right now because I bet many of you can relate. My own ideologies, education, and belief structures very much differ with many of my nest crew. If you have spent any time alongside me as I have journeyed to raising my voice through this podcast or in my writing, you know how important family is to me. My particularly grueling challenge for my entire adult life is growing my thinking, educating myself on various perspectives, and challenging my upbringing ideals in the process of becoming a free-thinking adult while still loving the people in my life that have mattered the most for the whole of it. It's a journey that all of us take at some point. One of the biggest challenges of my adult life has been learning and being utterly unable to look away at the contradiction of a faith that calls us to love our neighbor, but really in practice, it means the white neighbor. It is a contradiction that nearly costs me my faith, and instead, my learning and seeking unveiled that there's just the difference between my knowing and believing in a loving God and the religion in which I grew up. That is a story that I share a little bit in Lead with Faith. I cannot deny the connection in that journey to the evolution of my learning around racial injustices as well as women's rights. The journey started in high school for me, noticing the jokes about people of color and blondes or the place of a woman and how they landed in my gut. Now I know that these are microaggressions. The flames began to burn inside me in college when I was introduced to texts that were not centered from the white male lens that I had been used to. Through these outstanding pieces of literature, I began to grapple with the views from a white supremacist lens that had been built inside me without my permission. I could not get enough. Specifically, Kaffir Boy by Mark Mathabain exposed inside of me the ideas that I had created about Africa, and though I felt ashamed that I had learned for the first time that white people live in Africa through that book, I was torn up inside and started rebuilding my understanding through that book. 
Next came Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, a text that made me start seeing conflicts that I had read one or two sentences about in U.S. history from a centered lens of a black man who had a full life with feelings and thoughts, ambitions and goals, who was literally invisible. And the crown jewel of my desire and thirst to learn more about my brothers and sisters of color was I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou, a woman whose life is the one that sealed the deal for me, a woman who is one of my greatest sheroes to this day, and I came to her through her childhood, steeped in racism and burden and resilience tied to stunning faith. Once my gaze had been turned, I would not look away, and I could not any longer stay ignorant or silent through microaggressions around me. I used that book with deep passion in my classroom, and as an English teacher, I committed to teaching texts that centered in spaces other than white lenses. We studied Langston Hughes, Sojourner Truth, James Baldwin, W.E.B. Du Bois, to name a few. When we read To Kill a Mockingbird, we studied 100 years of history, analyzing the context for when the book was written versus when it was set, and students researched historical context so that we could deepen our understanding of real history, not just a sentence or through the eyes of fictional characters. Those projects were some of the best, as I watched students wrestle with the truths, learn and teach classmates about Jim Crow laws, lynchings, civil rights movements, protests, riots, and more. Specifically, I recall presentations made about the Scottsboro Boys trial where nine African-American teenagers ages 13 and 19 were falsely accused of raping two white women on a train. This case remains an example of severe racial injustice in U.S. history, but it's just one. And the recent explosion of the video of a white woman in a park using her power and privilege with a black man simply out watching birds hit me like a ton of bricks. It's still happening in 2020. Lynchings are literally happening in front of our eyes, my friends, and we can't look away. And even now, I can see all my work in the classroom wasn't enough. My fascination with African-American history and culture and infusing as many texts as I knew about still created an unequal ratio. And the hard truth that I have faced recently is that the pieces we studied represented fragments of the truths and atrocities and worse position the issues as if they were a part of history and not the present. It is too easy for me as a white woman in the U.S. to believe racial injustice was all behind us. The reality is that it has been veiled in structures very vividly on display right now, even from social media accounts from our own White House. Because I don't experience racial discomfort every day, racial injustice does not plague my nest crew or the family my husband and I have created. Instead, we benefit from the system that is not broken like so many want to say, but was designed strategically that way. And we need to work together to dismantle it. One of the conversations that recently sparked in me a deep desire to begin engaging more intentionally in allyship came from my interview with Nicole Taylor on the In Awe podcast. I linked her episode in the show notes and I encourage you to listen to it. She shares many resources, which I also linked here, and most importantly, her story of being the only in a room is compelling and one we need to listen to and act upon. To end this message today, I want to share one post I was able to make about the issues arising on social media. For the past year, I've been working intentionally to unlearn my racism, to see white supremacy everywhere, wrestle with whatever is inside me that wants to relegate to the Minnesota nice I was raised in when topics involving race come up. I interrupt racism in myself and around me when I see it, and that will never be enough alone. I have committed to become an anti-racist. In that process, I listen and read a lot. It's why I haven't spoken up about George Floyd yet. I've been lamenting and praying. 
I've been watching and reading. As protesting started unfolding, I noticed the different responses peaceful protesting was getting versus white armed men in a government building last month. As riots continue and spread and the 45th president starts spitting vitriol once again, I see the power lines sizzling. Today, I speak by sharing what I've been reading. We have to keep working on ourselves, all of us. Ahmad, Breonna, and George are our brothers and sister, as well as countless others who no longer have a voice to use. This is not a pain for one group of people. It's a pain for all people. Our black and brown bodied brothers and sisters need our voices. So do all our children who need us to fight for a loving future amidst the vivid divide so clearly on display right now instead of veiled in power structures. I want my voice to be one that reflects the true light of love for others, understanding, humility, and honor. I'm still learning and unlearning, but I'm here. My voice is here, is yours. Part of what I do in my work as an ally is listen and amplify the voices of my brothers and sisters in this work. I don't always need to be the one speaking, especially when I know there is much I need to learn, and that is up to me, not anyone else. I use this platform today because I know it is right and important, and I want justice and peace. But we cannot have peace without justice. And friends, we remain a long way from it. But that can start with us. No matter where you are in the journey, it's time to take the next step. For current reading and work, my personal recommendations are these books, and I will link each one. Be the Bridge by Latasha Morrison, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. If you want an inside lens from a compelling fiction book, read The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. It will help you understand pain, protesting, and maybe even riots. The show notes of this episode include links to all the texts I have referenced, a document compiled by others with anti-racism resources for white people, and my conversations with Nicole. I hope this jolt gave you energy and the boost you need to join the conversation. Much love, my friends. Hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you, listener, checking out this jolt episode. Hey, I want to see what you're seeing in the world. So hop on over to Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or wherever you want and pop out a quick sentence or a picture or something that inspired you this week. Let's let's share with one another. Show the community what you're seeing with your eyes to see the beauty in the world. Hashtag in awe to rise.